All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 3ND podcast. Man, it has been a minute. We just decided to take a short six-month break. <laughs> we, we just decided it was getting way too taxing on us, so we just uh, we uh, halted the season completely. No, we honestly, Wayne, me and Wayne were talking about this before we actually hopped on, but... It just became one of those weird things where we stopped recording and we just never officially ended and we just never (laughs) picked things up. And so I texted Wayne the other day and I was like, hey man, let's start back up right when the playoffs are starting back up. So, um, but anyways, Wayne, my man, how are you? Bro, I'm feeling good, bro. I've just been living life, man. Just chilling, watching basketball, a whole lot of basketball. I'm ready to talk about it and get back into the swing of things, but, uh, Man, I've just been chilling. That's it. Absolutely. Well, let's get into it. Uh, Let's waste no time. Let's give the people what they want. And what everybody's doing right now is predictions because tomorrow starts the play-in tournament. And this is a new concept that was uh, started last year in the NBA bubble. And honestly, I don't know about you, Wayne, but I've been loving the concept of this because what it does is it it creates intrigue in the NBA right until the final games and for the regular season. Now, typically in the last 20 games or so, most of the matchups are locked up and people start losing interest in actually watching the regular season games at the end. But with the play in tournament, it's actually created intrigue and created um, people wanting to tune in for these games that would otherwise be pretty meaningless, but what have you thought about this concept and, and how it's uh, kind of changed the landscape of the NBA? Man, I absolutely love it. And I remember they, they started it in the bubble and I remember just watching the bubble. People didn't really watch the bubble. People watched it, but not a lot of people watched it. And I remember just thinking like, this is grade A basketball. Like even though they're in a bubble and it's like, you know, they had the big old wall with all the fans and stuff on and I, and I was like, all right, whatever. But it's still grade A content right here. Right. And so I was like, man, and then the play in tournament made it that much better, especially watching Devin Booker just carried the team on his back during the whole bubble thing. I was like, man, this is kind of dope, bro. And so they're bringing it back. They're trying it again. And I love it. I want to see it. Uh, it definitely kept me watching the game even later on into the season, because now it's not like, okay, these teams are locked in and they start resting players and all that stuff. Now it's like, Yo, if you're a seven seed and you have a chance to get to that six seed, you might not want to start resting your players. You might want to get them in there so you can, you know, try and move up a spot so you don't have to do the playing tournament. And so that keeps everything interesting. It keeps people wanting to watch. And it keeps LeBron and Anthony Davis and, you know, Steph Curry and all these guys on the floor because you want to see where your team can be come playoff time. Right. So, and and, and even the it makes you more – aware that injuries matter that much more. Like if you miss a couple games like the Lakers, they you know, missed a big chunk with Anthony Davis and then LeBron and went from being, you know, a top four seed to dropping all the way down to the playing tournament where they really have to, the, you know, the defending champs have to prove themselves now in what could be, you know, uh, two games and they're potentially out. So it's, it's really interesting and fun. And I know some players, you know, want the old way, but I think just as a fan, just as a consumer, it's a lot of fun just to be like, man, what are the possibilities that a, you know, 10th seed could have the chance to play the one seed and who knows what could happen. And it just, yep. and also thinking about the Lakers are the either seventh or eighth seed right now. And there could be the possibility because the Lakers are still to me, one of the favorites to win it all. Mm-hmm. So think about the fact that a seventh or eighth seed could still potentially end up winning the whole thing, which I don't know when's the last time we were able to say that. I think I was watching or listening somewhere and I don't think, a, I don't think a seventh seed has ever won. Has he? I don't, I don't that's I don't what I'm saying. So. I can't even think of the last time that happened if it ever even happened. So yeah. I have no idea, but let's get into it. This let's start the with time. the, let's start with the, the, you know what? Let's start with the East because it seems let's that the it. East is maybe a little less intriguing than the West in terms of the play-in. So let me explain to you guys what we're going to do today. We are going to predict the play-in tournament, and based off of what we predict for the play-in is 
how we are going to predict the first round of the playoffs in the East and the West. So we could be completely wrong by the end of this week and all our predictions are, you know, in the trash because mm-hmm. our playing predictions were wrong. But before we get into the plan, let me just try my best to explain how it works. Okay. It's going to be hard because we were even talking about this before we started recording and I had to look up like, am I right? I don't know, I don't know if I'm actually <laughs> right or not. So yeah, here's how confusing. I think it works. Seven, seven, the seventh seed and the eighth seed play each other in one game. Whoever wins that game automatically locks up the seventh seed. So whether you're the seventh seed or the eighth seed, the seventh seed is up for grabs. So whoever wins that game locks up seventh. The loser will face the winner of the ninth, tenth games. The ninth and tenth play each other. Whoever wins that gets to face the loser of seventh to eighth, and whoever loses ninth, tenth is automatically out. So really there's an advantage there's more of, of an advantage for seven, eight, because you, if you're the loser of seven, eight, you still get a chance to move on. Whereas ninth or 10th, if you lose one game, you're out. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a kind of the best way to explain it. And the best way I know how, but I know like a lot of other people, it's new and we're still kind of understanding it all, but we'll, we'll go with that for now. So let's start with the East Wayne. Um, what, what do you think is going to happen in this Boston versus Washington seventh, eighth matchup. I know that Jalen Brown is out for the season for the Celtics. So the, they're a little shorthanded, but you know, anybody can be competitive in one game. So what do you think is going to happen between the wizards and the Celtics? You know what I have, okay. I'm going to start off with who I have coming out of this game. I have the wizards coming out of this game and not because of Jalen Brown getting hurt. I would have picked the Wizards even if Jalen Brown was playing. And that is because, number one, Russell Westbrook, yet he triple-double machine. He just passed mm-hmm. Oscar Robertson for the most triple-doubles. Whatever, that's cool. Russell Wilson, he's got beef. Russell Wilson? I mean, not Russell Westbrook, my bad. This is I'm an NBA on, podcast. I'm still on brother. football time, bro, man. You know my favorite sport. Got to throw the pigskin around, you know what I'm saying? That's okay. But, uh, Russell Westbrook, my bad. Uh, that man is on a mission, bro. And he is trying to get to the playoffs so he can face none other than his mm. old squad over there in Brooklyn. They over there chilling. They think they got an easy road to the playoffs. No, sir. No, sir. Daddy's home. Russell Westbrook. Daddy's home. Because, you know, Please. he does a little, like, the baby thing. <laughs> Don't ever say that again. <laughs> Daddy's home. Okay, so you, so you have the Wizards – winning the seventh, seventh, eighth, which means that Boston will face the winner. winner of the ninth or 10th. So let's talk about the ninth and 10th. So do you have Indiana or do you have Charlotte winning that matchup? You have both of these teams, I think are kind of shorthanded. You have um, Indiana who is missing Brogdon, Miles Turner, some really uh, TJ Warren, some really key pieces to their success, but they still have Sabonis and Karis LeVert. And then over on Charlotte's side, you got the emergence of LaMelo Ball, uh, but, but you're also missing Gordon Hayward for when he's been in this year has been really good for them. Um, so who do you have winning that ninth, 10 math, ninth, 10th matchup? So for this one, I, I guess I'm just going to pick upsets for both games. Well, not upsets, but the lower seed. Because I, I really want to see Charlotte win this game. And I don't know if they're going to get past Boston in the to get to the eighth seed. But I do have Charlotte win this game. And mainly because, yes, LaMelo Ball is there and he's been balling pretty good. But he leads that team and he leads them not really on defense, but on offense for sure. I mean, the kid, even though he's a rookie, he can find lanes and open guys whenever, wherever, it doesn't matter. So I have them coming out of this game um, just because of him, man. Honestly, just because of him. He definitely helps pick up their pace. Like he's not the best shooter or anything in the world, and he still has a lot of flaws in his game. But just his his uh, energy is able yeah. to pick that team up. And it, they're just a fun team to watch. They're not the best team, but they're a really fun team to watch. Okay, so you have Boston going up against Charlotte for – for those two teams, 
who's going to lock in that eighth seed? Do you have Charlotte or do you have Boston doing that? I have Boston locking up the eighth seed. Yeah. Um, they will handle business against Charlotte. I mean, it's Jason Tatum. Jason, T- Jason Tatum going to give him another 60 piece. Jason Tatum's going to give him a 65 piece. Oh, no, I'm playing. Cause he gave, he that, gave hey, the Spurs a 60 piece. That would be I a lot of fun that. to see a 60 point game in a play in tournament. That would just be a lot of fun. I feel like J- Jason Tatum would like losing to the wizards. He'd just be like, you know what? All right, cool. I'm going to show y'all why we here in the first place. It's cool. It's whatever. And he's just going to go in there, handle his business and then go hug his son. There you go. He does. That is a pretty, that is a pretty cool relationship. You always love to see a good father, son or father, daughter, relationship that's kind of played out through the nba career just like steph and uh what's her name riley uh yeah um yeah riley i mean she's all like pretty not grown up but definitely older now but you know we first started seeing her in the nba finals that was really cool (laughs) yeah talking on the microphone yeah Uh, all right so you got the wizards in seventh locking that up and you have the uh celtics locking up the eighth spot here here is my predictions. I'm going to agree with you on Wizards locking up seventh with the same reasons that you said. I just feel like they have more depth uh, than Bradley Beal is, is a monster too. Yeah. And the hope for him is that, you know, he's healthy because I know he had kind of this lingering hamstring injury he's coming off of. So my hope is that he's healthy because it just makes things a lot more fun, but I have the Wizards locking up seventh and then when Indiana and Charlotte face, I actually have the Pacers winning that one. Uh, even though they are shorthanded, I just feel like they're going to be a little bit more aggressive than Charlotte. Um, I do think it's kind of a toss-up, though. I think it can go either way, but I'm going to say that the Pacers are going to win. Um, I thought I thought uh, Karis LeVert last year in the bubble um, – had a really great ending, especially given that they didn't have, you know, Kyrie or KD in the bubble. And he just got to be like the sole creator on that team. And I think we're, we might see a lot of that in this playing game. Uh, so I have, then I have, you know, Boston versus Indiana for who wants to lock up that eighth. And I actually have the Pacers winning that too. So wow. I have the Wizards locking up seventh and I have the Pacers locking up eight. So really the only difference and yours and mine is that we both have wizards getting seventh, but you have Charlotte locking up it. No, you have Boston locking up eighth. Yeah. And then I have Pacers locking up eighth. Okay, cool. Let's go to the West. Talk to me about this showdown right here. The Lakers versus the Warriors, LeBron versus Steph. Talk about it. Hey man, we have the scoring King of the season and Steph Curry. And then we have the king himself and that man, LeBron James, bro, this is going to be like, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a, a flashback throwback, but then like with extra pieces, cause it's not LeBron on the Cavs. It's LeBron on the Lakers. And then Steph Curry is like, Hey man, my team is back, bro. I mean, even without clay, we here got some new pieces, some new looks on the team and they made it back. So this is a tough one, but I'm and I really want I want to pick my guy Steph so bad. I like everything in my body is just like man, just pick Steph, but I can't mm-hmm. because I refuse to go against that man, LeBron James. It's hard, and I feel like the team is more well-rounded. And honestly, if I got to throw like a little bone in there, Andrew Wiggins is like he's the missing like he's the piece for yeah. the Warriors that if he decides to play well, they have a chance of winning. Absolutely. If he is going out there and he's like 0 for 10 in the first two quarters, bro, can it. Go ahead. Just meet the next team in the in the next game. Yeah. Because he is that – like Draymond's going to go out there. He's going to get you like 20 assists with two points. Steph Curry is going to try his best to drop 40. And then you have like Kent Bazemore. You have um, Kelly Oubre. You have all those guys. And, I mean, they're good pieces, but they're not going to be good enough to like elevate the whole team. But Andrew Wiggins – is that player where if he's on and we've seen it earlier in the season when he's on, even if Steph is dropping ridiculous numbers, the team elevates because it's Steph and it's um, Andrew Wiggins and Draymond, yeah. of course, leading if, the team. If he can just 
Andrew Wiggins, if he can just pick up those, you know, scrappy points like cleaning up the boards and, you know, having opportunities where he just takes it to the bucket and, and dropping the occasional threes, like that's what they need. Because we know this, like, I really love this whole like underdog Steph Curry because we're getting to see him be the sole uh, bucket getter. And we've never really seen that before. Like we know he can get buckets, but he's always had, you know, KD, Clay, and, and all these other guys who are able to create for themselves. And this team has really been like basically him. Like we're seeing him throw up 23 pointers or 20 plus three pointers. And he might not make all of them, but just the fact that he's doing that and going out there and making it happen uh, is just so much fun to see. So, so you have the, but you have the Lakers winning that first game. And, and it's because of course, LeBron and Anthony Davis, but that team is just so well-rounded. And even though like there are some pieces like, I mean, Kyle Kuzma, you have, um, what's his name? Um, Eagle. Um, the bald eagle. Uh, uh, Alex Caruso. Uh, yeah, Caruso and all these guys. Yeah, they're kind of iffy at times, but you have LeBron James, and that team will play to the level of LeBron James. And you have um, Andre Drummond. I'm blanking, on I'm blanking on everybody's name. Andre Drummond. Stop. <laughs> Stop. He was an acquisition. He was a, he was a decent pickup. You want to know something? Andre Drummond makes me so mad. And just as a little side note, and here's why. Because I saw the stat, and it said that Andre Drummond was like 47% on layups. Look it up. On layups, Drew. On layups. As in, this man is a seven, or almost seven-footer. And this motion with the basketball is like tough. And so when I saw it, I was like, bro, you have got to be kidding me. Now, I get it. There are a lot of things he does well. He can rebound. It doesn't and really yeah. make sense for that team, though. Like, I don't know why they picked him up. And, and, like, and I don't, they have it. Anthony Davis and Mark Gasol. Why do you and need see, another like, center? And they Mark play Gasol's better with guy. Mark Gasol. Because he can do it. He can – He's older, of course. But he can facilitate. He can do, you can run the pick and roll with him. He can drop out to the three-point line. He exactly. can defend well. I think maybe there's, a, maybe there's a setup where they have a lot of offense and they just need someone to get boards and kick it out. That's all you got to do. Get boards, kick it out. Get boards, kick it out. So, right. Okay, so Lakers lock up seventh, and then we have Memphis and San Antonio going at it in the ninth and tenth spot. Very young San Antonio Spurs team, but I will, I will say I like the direction they're going because it really feels like, you know, last year they started to kind of dabble in that youth movement and they've really uh, kind of went head on after they released LaMarcus Aldridge, which by the way, congratulations LaMarcus Aldridge on an amazing career. Sad that it ended so early, but uh, it seems like San Antonio is really playing into this youth movement and they got a lot of good pieces. And then on the other side, Memphis, also a young team that is on the rise too. Um, so who do you have winning this matchup to face the Grizzlies to lock up eight or sorry, to face the Warriors to lock up eight? No, I had the Lakers winning that one. Oh, so no, no. Oh, oh! I, I see what you mean. My bad. I totally forgot that the the losing team goes to the Warriors. It's okay. Um, it's really confusing. I have so many numbers in my head right now. Yeah. Um. So, resident Spurs fan here. I love my guys. I love Dejounte. I love Demar. I love our new guys like Luca, Samanich, and all them. Um. But I got the Memphis Grizzlies coming out with this one, and it's not a slight to the Spurs or anything. I just don't think it's our time yet, and I think we're about a piece away from really making some noise in the league, especially if we keep our core guys like DeMar. I mean, I said it before, I wasn't a huge fan of DeMar coming to our team, especially with the way the league is moving towards more three-point shooting. And DeMar is like, he's a very clutch two-point bucket. Like, if you need two points, give the ball to DeMar DeRozan. He will do whatever he needs to do. He's a wizard within the three-point line. But outside, he's got some work to do. So I've been a little critical of him, but what I do like is he leads the team um, very well and he gets everybody involved. So I've been liking that, but Memphis, 
John Morant is John Morant is a smooth operator, bro. Like there's nothing you can do to stop this man. And um isn't He's, Jaren Jackson back too? Yeah, he just he came did. back as well. So with them two on the court, I remember because Jaron Jackson was hurt at the beginning of the season and he came back and him and Jaw just went off and they went crazy. And so him and Jaron Jackson are just about to go out there. And I mean, I think it's going to be a close game because San Antonio at best, they'll play really good defense and Memphis they're They've been coached as a defensive team, but now they have guys who can produce on the offensive end too. John Morant, Jaron Jackson. So I think it'll be a very close game, but I have Memphis edging it out and on uh, facing Golden State in the next round. Now, is Memphis going to win or is Golden State going to win to take that eighth spot officially? Now I got Golden State winning that one. Okay, so Lakers lock in seventh, Warriors lock in eighth for you. Yes, sir. All right. I We actually have the same thing on this one. I got Lakers locking up seventh, um, Memphis edging out San Antonio, and then Grizzlies and Warriors face each other for that eighth spot, and I have the Warriors taking eighth. So we lined up perfectly on that one. Um, So that means that we actually get to get into the first round. Now, initially, when me and Wayne were planning this, I texted him today. I said, listen, if we try to do from here and predict all the way to the end, this might be a three-hour podcast. So we're totally not doing that today. Maybe we might get to more uh, in the coming weeks. But for now, we're just going to focus on round one. Okay, so let's – with now that we predicted the play-in tournament winners – that give that gives us the full picture of what we believe the brackets will look like for the East and the West. So, Wayne, let's start in the East. Okay. Um, I'll start us out on one one versus eight, which is going to be Philadelphia, and for me versus Indiana. I think we would probably both agree because you have a different number eight seed, but you'd probably still agree that Philadelphia is going to come out on top in this series. Anyways, I have the Sixers winning in five games. I think the key for um, Philadelphia is really Tobias Harris, because we know that um, Joel Embiid is going to go out and do his thing, but you really need a bucket getter on the outside and in that mid range who has a semi-reliable jump shot. And I really think that's going to be Tobias. And he's had a great season. He just needs to do it here in the playoffs. You know Ben Simmons is going to bring it on defense and uh, provide some facilitating for the team. Uh, But I, I I think Indiana could make this more competitive if they had Turner, Brogdon, uh, TJ Warren, but with being so uh, limited as far as players go, I just don't think they have much of a chance, but I do think they're going to squeeze in one game uh, just because I think the Sixers will let their guard down because they know they got it in the bag, but I have the Sixers getting it in five. Okay. Yeah. Same thing for me. And I have them going up against Boston. And so I would say Sixers and six, just because on the flip side, you have Jason Tatum. And I'm, I think that that's the difference between the Celtics and the Pacers is like, the Celtics have that go-to guy. I mean, even on the Pacers, you have what's his name, Sabonis. Yeah. And he's been – that dude came out of nowhere. Like, he's been ridiculous. So I like him. But Jason Tatum is more of like a – just a proven give it give me the ball anywhere on the court and I'll make something happen. He's so, also the most unpredictable superstar too. Like, he'll have nights where he's – you know, he had that 60-point game. And then the next game he goes like two for 15. He's very yeah. unpredictable. But – he does have that pure scoring ability, I'll say. I just think yeah. he's still young and kind of getting that consistency figured out for sure. Yeah. And so I think all in all, the 76ers, like you said, Tobias Harris is the key for them. And the 76ers, they're, they're missing Jalen Brown, and he's a key person. I mean, with them, I still would pick the, the 76ers to win um, in six, but – I feel like Jason Tatum would pick up the slack where Jalen Brown is missing, but it's not enough to get the job done. So there we go. Yep. All right. Two versus seven. We have the same for this one in the East Brooklyn versus Washington. This, this should be primetime TV. We should all be able to watch this because it's going to be a lot of fun. You got Katie Harden and Kyrie versus Beal and Westbrook Westbrook being Katie's old teammate. We know the beef between them and the past. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. However, I, 
I mean, the Nets are an absolute juggernaut. And the crazy thing about them is they've been so good with no consistent lineup. You've had Kyrie missing games. You've had Harden out with the hamstring. You've had Kevin Durant out with uh, resting his calf. Like you, you haven't really had a consistent lineup, but with those guys, it's almost like it doesn't matter how long they've played with each other because you know each of them, they're such good players that you can put them all out there together and you know that they can make it happen. But this is just going to be fun because to me, it's going to be that whole like Russ versus KD, like that in itself. It's just going to be a lot of fun to me. But I do have the Nets winning in six. And the question for the Nets would really just be, can they stay healthy uh, between all three superstars? Because they all kind of had their own lingering issues. The question would be just, can they stay healthy? And then on Washington's side, to make it competitive to where they can get to six games, I think Bradley Beal is going to have to stay healthy too because he came back for this last regular season game after missing a few games because of his hamstring. And he looked like he was kind of flinching uh, during the game still, like at it, it hadn't fully recovered yet. And he doesn't really have a lot. He has today, Monday, and then they have to play tomorrow. So for Washington, you got to hope that he can stay healthy and still provide the same thing that he's been providing you the whole season where he can just get you a bucket. I mean, he, we, we talked about Steph being the leading scorer. Bradley Beal's right underneath that, so close to edging him out. Um, but I think it's going to be a fun series, but I got the Nets taking it in six. Okay. See, so you went the respectful route. And I think that this is going to be a very fun series. So I think every game is going to be fun to watch because it's that Westbrook versus KD going at it. And then like Harden just along for the ride, you know, I mean, he'll still probably drop 40 just cause he can. Um, but I have the nets in four <laughs> and it's not no disrespect to Washington at all, but I feel like Brooklyn, the way they're structured, it's just we're going to outscore you no matter what. They might not even play a lick of defense, but they have KD, who the only person who can stop KD is KD. Okay. You have James Harden, who's ISO God. Like, if you're on an island with James Harden, I'm sorry, you're getting cooked. He's going to sidestep, step back, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then you have Kyrie Irving, who has the best handles in the league, and he has IQ. So whenever, you, whenever he drives in, he's going to do that little, you know, double clutch layup. If you step over and you leave KD open in the corner, guess what he's doing? Bop, corner, three, gone. So they just have too much offensive firepower. And I feel like even on a bad shooting night, they have enough guys who can just come in and just be like, you know what? All right, change with the game plan. Let's get in the paint, you know? And then you have Blake Griffin, who decided to start dunking out of nowhere. Like he came off a of piston and off the pistons, and then he was like, oh, I'm going back to my Clippers days. So there's just a lot. And then Joe Harris, three-point mm. champion. I think he's he should be healthy for when the playoffs start because he was out for a while. He's going to be um, really important to their success too, though. Yeah, he's because so much attention just... is going to be drawn on the big three, but he'll kind of be that X factor for the Nets that is able to kind of spot up in, in any corner or, uh, you know, just to be able to create where maybe those three guys don't, which I don't really think there's ever going to be a scenario where, you know, any of those three are going to be off. You're at least going to have one of them on every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Joe Harris is going to be really important to them too. Four, sure. But we yeah. both agree, Brooklyn coming out, you just got them in four, I got them in six. Yes, sir. All right. Milwaukee versus Miami. This is going to be an interesting series. Um, it is. This is going to be competitive. Now, we remember last year in the bubble, the Heat edged out the Bucks in five games. And really, the one game that the Bucks took from the Heat wasn't even that impressive they didn't actually they didn't even have Giannis in that game because he got injured and it was that game where Middleton went off and he actually won them a game but Mm -hmm. otherwise the heat just handled them so effortlessly but the Bucks made a lot of changes in the offseason and I think they're heading in a good direction they've had a lot of upsetting losses the past few years from the heat edging them out last year to um the Sixers 
to the Raptors. They, they just haven't had good luck. And Giannis doesn't have a good track record with the playoffs. But in this first round, I have the Bucks winning this in seven games. I think it's going to be a long series. Um, wow. But I think the Bucks will um, edge them out. I think two, two factors play into this. And the two factors are Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker for the Bucks because they give that defensive switchability and the fact that you have another bucket getter and drew holiday, you know, other than Giannis and Chris Middleton, I think having drew holiday, listen, he's going to have to be a guy who scores 18 plus a game for them uh, and plays outstanding defense. I would assume he's going to be guarding Jimmy Butler, which I think would be good. I think he's got the length to keep up with him, but I think the bucks have some, some growing pains that they're going to learn from in this first round. And I think they're going to be able to edge out Miami officially. Okay. So you have the bucks in seven. I have the heat in seven. Yeah. I mean, you could go either way really. And I have the heat in seven. And I think the, the key person for the heat is going to have to be um, Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Because, and I, I, I say that because we all know Giannis is going to go out there. He's going to get his, okay. There's, you can try and stop him. You can do what Toronto did whenever they stopped him. And uh, what was that? When, when the Raptors won the championship and they had to go up against the Bucks, and they pretty much did a, a shield wall to protect him whenever he went to the paint. Which a and lot so, of teams have used on them, and it's worked. Yeah. And so, I mean, Giannis is going to go and get his. I think the key is going to be – it's going to be Bam Adebayo. And if he can – I don't know if he's going to be primarily on um, Middleton or if like Jimmy Butler might be on him, um, but not allowing the other pieces to go off. I, I think, think he would, the, I think he would be on Giannis. You put, cause yeah, I mean, yeah, he, you put him on Giannis. I think he plays center for the heat, but he has the switch. Of, I mean, he can switch pretty much on anybody with the way he moves, but I think he would probably, probably match up with Giannis best. Okay. Well, my thing is it's going to be the old, like how pop kind of coaches where if you see a superstar going against the Spurs, just know that that superstar is going to drop 50. Okay. It's just going to happen. But what happens is as long as you shut down everybody else, then they only got 50, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think for them, it's like, yes, Giannis is going to get his, but make sure you, you know, you stop Chris Middleton, you stop everybody else from getting to their spots from getting to those buckets and pretty much make Giannis outscore the entire team. Yeah. Like make the superstar outscore everybody. I mean, and both teams have really good defenders. Like I've even been impressed with the pickup of Trevor Ariza for the heat. He's another guy oh, that yes. can, can come out on the perimeter and guard those wing players. So you have on the defensive end, Trevor Ariza, Andre Gudala, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Like th these are guys who look, you know, legitimately can shut your team down. And then you have the shooters with Miami, like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson uh, that can, you know, catch fire at certain moments. So honestly, it could go either way. So I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Uh, but, you know, I think I, either way, this is going to be one of those series to watch that is going to go right down to the wire. So did you say you had Miami – Winning in seven or just that you had Miami winning? I had them winning in seven. Okay, so we agree. Seven-game series. That should be fun. That's going to be fun right there. Okay, let's get to the last one for the East. This one should be fun too. The Knicks are back in the playoffs. New York Knicks are back in the playoffs facing the number five-seeded Atlanta Hawks. I think this is the classic case of defense and hustle versus offense in depth. Uh, New York being that defense and hustle. We know any team that Tibbs coaches, he's going to play his older guys a whole lot. He's going he's gonna to squeeze every ounce out of you that he can, and he's going to make your team hustle and play defense. And then on the other side with uh, Atlanta, you have Trey Young, you have Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, not the – not the Utah Bogdanovich, but the uh, yeah. Atlanta Bogdanovich. A lot of people get them confused, but this is the younger one. He's been really impressive. Uh, 
but yeah, I think you, you have two totally opposite teams here in that sense, but I think they're going to kind of balance each other out in that way. Now, I think the Knicks have more playoff experience, not the Knicks themselves like in the past few years because we know they haven't been there since 2013, but I think having guys like Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson, guys that have really gone semi-deep in the playoffs are really going to help those young players uh, like Julius Randle and, uh, man, what's the uh, – R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, but what's the – quickly. Oh. Um, what's his first name? I, either way, his last name's quickly. He was drafted this year. He's been really good for them. He, like, idolizes Lou Williams. Um, but he's yeah. re- he's been really good. So I think having that veteranship from Rose and Gibson is really going to help them out. Um, the key for me with Atlanta, a lot of people would think that Trey Young being your primary scorer and bucket getter would be the key to success. But I really think, as we've seen over the past couple of weeks, if Bogdanovich is your primary scorer and the one getting all the points, I think that's going to lead to Atlanta success more than it's going to be Trey Young being your primary scorer. So I really think Trey's going to have to take more of a facilitator and maybe secondary scorer approach um, for Atlanta for them to be successful. But in this series, I have the Knicks winning in six games, and I'm really excited to see some games in MSG. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah, I have the same, and for the, a lot of the same reasons. I mean, I didn't really watch a lot of Atlanta basketball this week, I mean this year, but I did watch a few Knicks games, and they actually look really good to the point where I was starting to see memes of the Knicks, which, I mean, usually when you see memes of the Knicks, it's like because they're losing so bad. Right. But now I'm seeing memes of, like, this is how every team has to guard Julius Randle, and it's like any given possession, he's getting double teamed, triple teamed, and I'm like, that's because the dude is a bucket now. Like, you have to respect Julius Randle as soon as he crosses half court. You got to respect that man. Especially because so, it's, his, it's his sixth or seventh year in the league, and you don't really see guys win most improved in their sixth or seventh year, but he might be the guy that actually wins that award, which is pretty oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, I give it to Julius Randle because that man, I mean, he emerged seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, we've seen him have glimpses here and there, but he's been on the Knicks, and he has just been playing out of his mind. So he has that respectability. And then, of course, like you said, he's got people around him like Derek freaking Rose, who, mm. I mean, yes, he's been injured a lot, but he's been playing really good basketball too. And yep. You can't sleep on him ever. Right. So I got the Knicks in six just like you. Cool. So to recap, we, we both have Philly um, winning uh, for that one seed versus eighth. We both have Brooklyn winning in that two versus seven. We differ in this Milwaukee-Miami series. Wayne has Miami winning. I have Milwaukee winning. And then we both think that New York will edge out Atlanta. Cool. So let's move on to the West now. Uh, We got Utah, who's had an amazing year, locking up that one seed and... For me, I believe actually both of us uh, have Golden State as the eighth seed. So we have a Utah versus Golden State. Um, Why don't you get us started here, Wayne? What's the outcome of this series? Quick question, because I haven't watched Utah basketball pretty much at all. But I know Donovan Mitchell got hurt. Is he back? He did get hurt. He he rolled his ankle. He did not finish out the regular season, but I'm pretty – like. 99% 99% sure he's going to be back for the playoffs. Okay, cool. Um, with that being said, if he's back for the playoffs, which, like you said, he probably will be, I'm going to pick Utah in six. Yep, I got and, the same. And I'm going to say Utah in six, but here's how it's going to go. I'm going to say Golden State wins the first game, and then Utah wins the second game, and then they just kind of like flip-flop until Utah is like, okay, we're better than this team. Let's just take off. And they win the last two. So, um. Yeah, I got Utah in, in six. And Steph Curry, he's my guy. He is, like, top three favorite players for me to watch, period. Um, and he's been going off. And, I mean, scoring scoring champion for the season. Got to respect him as soon as he crosses the half-court line. Even 
probably before that because he'll pull it if he if he has chance. So, but Utah, they've got Dad Bod, Joe Ingles over there. They've got Mr. <laughs> he's Mr. Dad Bod. Like I'm pretty sure this man pulls up to the arena in a minivan because he's got the kids in the back and he has to put them in the stadium before he can go, you know, get out to warm-ups. Joe Ingles uh, is the one who still gives me hope that I can make it to the league. Yes. <laughs> All dads across America. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, he's going to go out there and he's going to give you the slowest buckets of all time. Uh, Rudy Gobert is just going to lock down the paint because that's just rim protector, man. That mm-hmm. he, It's going to be tough to score on him. And then Donovan Mitchell with him. And the reason I say that Golden State wins the first game is because Donovan Mitchell is going to come back. He might be a little rusty. He might have to get, you know, some things going. Um, but then after that, it's going to be like bubble Donovan Mitchell, where it's like him versus Jamal Murray just going at it, except it's going to be him versus Steph Curry. Yeah, so. same here. I got Jazz in six. A, a lot of the same reasons you have. I think Mitchell will have to find his rhythm again within the series, so I think it'll take them some time, uh, especially him, but I think they'll probably drop a game or two you know, for Golden State, there's not much outside of Curry, uh, especially they lost Kelly Oubre for the season, I believe. Um, oh, they did? And, yeah, he had some wrist injuries, so I think he's oh, out for the rest of the season. That. He wasn't great for them, but he was still another option. But much like we talked about earlier, I think Wiggins would need to be the guy to find a rhythm and really showcase what he's made of in these playoffs in order for them to even have a fighting chance. But the jazz have been so good. Um, The thing that they've changed this year, Wayne, is that Quinn Snyder has just basically said, I want you guys to shoot as many threes as possible. Uh, An approach a lot of teams have taken in the past, that whole adage of like three points is better than two points and it's paid off for them. Plus you got Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, more than likely going to be the sixth man of the year. Um, but they have a great thing going over there. Bogdanovich has the ability to the other Bogdanovich has the ability mm-hmm. to catch fire for them. Um, so they're a really good team. I'm excited to see them and I do have them winning in six games. Let's move on to two versus seven Phoenix versus the Los Angeles Lakers and Phoenix, another team that's had an absolutely incredible year, just incredible year. Um, from Chris Paul just being the floor general and leader for a team that he is, plus Booker having an outstanding season. I mean, just just incredible what their team has been able to do. DeAndre Ayton taking off and Chris Paul helping develop his game. Um, so this one's going to be interesting. You know, Phoenix, after all these years, makes the playoffs, and then in the first round they have to play the defending champs. Yeah. Not going to be easy at all. Um, we know that LeBron or the Lakers, they will let a game or two slip right at the beginning of the series, but they just have the ability because they're that good to bounce back. It's really, it's those feel out games that one, that game one, that game two, where LeBron's kind of seeing like, okay, what am I working with? Where are we missing the mark? What do we need to do to get better? So I think you'll see the Lakers maybe take a game or two off there at the beginning. Um, but really Wayne, I think, this is that whole experience versus no experience kind of situation. Like, yes, you have Chris Paul, but other than that, all those other guys really haven't been to the playoffs or made deep runs at it. Uh, And then you have the defending champs who have one of the best big guys in the league. Like I was thinking about who's stopping AD on Phoenix, Dario Saric, (laughs) Deandre Ayton. Like, I'm sorry, but like those guys, they're not going to, stop him. So he's going to be a problem. Uh, I I do think they're going to have the ability to make this interesting, especially Booker. I'm really excited to see him in the playoffs. Um, but I have the Lakers winning this in six. And I kind of say that in like a sad way, like unfortunately Phoenix has to face them in the first round. Cause I've really enjoyed seeing the Suns be successful again. Yeah. And I have Lakers in five and yeah, it's because of, well, we saw last season in the bubble when it was the Lakers versus the Trailblazers. And the Trailblazers came out and they won game one, I believe. Actually, I, I know. Bet. And I was like convincing myself at the time, like the Blazers yeah. might win in seven. Such an and idiot. Then, and then LeBron was like, 
hold your horses, buddy, because I'm still LeBron James. So and it, it was the same thing in the Rockets series too. When the Lakers faced the Rockets, it was like you yeah. know Rockets won Game One. It's like the Lakers give you this hope. It's like oh, we might beat them, but it's really that feel out game that LeBron's just scoping things out, and then he goes into attack mode. Yeah, and so I think that's what, what's going to happen again is Game One's going to come out. Chris Paul's going to do his thing. Um, Devin Booker is going to do his thing. They're going to go out. They're going to kind of like hit the Lakers in the mouth and be like, oh, you know, we're that team. We're here. We're number two for a reason. And then LeBron's going to be like, well, remember that one time when we were number two? Yeah, let's get back to that. And mm-hmm. then they're going to just take off and run four straight. So I got the Lakers coming out. And I love the Suns. And I love the direction that they're going into, especially with Chris Paul coming in and really being able to help elevate Devin Booker's game and DeAndre's game. Uh, I really like the direction they're going, but it's just not enough to get past LeBron. Shout out to um, shout out to Monty Williams because that guy's been through a lot. I think in the last five years, I believe he lost his wife in like a car accident or something like that a couple of years ago, just like wow. really tragic. And then he, you know, he had that stint with the Pelicans where he was coaching them and just wasn't getting team success. So you really love to see uh, a guy like that having success after everything that he's been through. So shout out to him. Definitely a guy who's in running for coach of the year, you know, maybe mm-hmm. him, uh, Thibodeau, maybe Quinn Snyder, all those guys definitely in the running. Um, okay. Our three versus six matchup in the West Denver versus Portland. Now I believe Denver versus Portland is the equivalent of Milwaukee versus Miami in the East. Like those two are the two series that I think are probably the most competitive. Um, Now, unfortunately for Denver, they don't have Jamal Murray. Honestly, dude, if they had Jamal Murray right now, they were really my favorites to win it all. Um, Because I just know that, you know, outside of, Jokic, you have MPJ who's been really good for them too, but like Jamal Murray was that guy who could really put the ball on the floor and we saw what he could do in the bubble last year. Um, Just so I was so sad to see him go down and be out for the season. Um, But Denver's still been really good since he went down and then Portland's kind of found their groove in the last month or so too. Um, I do think this series is going to go seven games but I believe that Denver, even though they haven't made the decision for it yet, I believe that they have the MVP of the season in Nikola Jokic. Um, and so I think with them having who I believe to be the MVP, I think they're going to edge out Portland in seven games. I have the Nuggets winning in seven games. If Portland wants to win, we know Dame can be on. We know CJ can be on. I think two X factors for them that are really going to have to pull out the stops is a recent pickup this year from Toronto, Norman Powell and Yusuf Nurkic. If those two guys can be on Norm as that guy who can just get you buckets out of nowhere and Nurk who could be a defensive stopper for Jokic and a facilitator in that high pick and roll. I think if those two guys can really have it going, Portland has a fighting chance, but I just, I think Denver is going to make this happen. And Michael Porter Jr., I mean, the guy has really found his groove. Like, he's just – he's a bucket, man. Uh, I, I think he's going to have a great playoff series. I think he's going to show it in this first round. So, I got the Nuggets winning in seven. You know what's crazy? <laughs> I got Portland in seven. Yep. So, it's just like the other series where we got the other teams in seven. Yeah. Man. And here's the thing, bro. Yes, the Nuggets are doing really good without Jamal Murray. And Jokic is – I mean, he's hes going to win the MVP, in my opinion. Um, even though Steph has been playing out of his mind, uh, Jokic has been doing so – like, he's almost averaging a triple-double right now. Yeah. Like, or is he – yeah, he's almost averaging a triple-double. Um, dude's playing out of his mind. And at the center position, like, that's pretty crazy. So – He's going to win MVP, but man, I, I've seen enough from that man Dane time that I, it's almost on the level of LeBron where I just can't pick against him because I know that when he steps on the court, he is going to let the other team have it no matter what. And even if his game is off, I think they have enough firepower around him to be able to pick up the slack and 
uh, like you said, Nurkic and Powell and CJ McCollum is playing, right? Yeah. So uh, I just – Trailblazers got to get this one in seven, man. Yeah. That's my, that's my opinion. And they're re- – in a weird way, Portland is just like Milwaukee in the sense that, like, Coach Budenholzer, this is kind of his last chance to stick around as the coach. Terry Stotts, kind of his last chance to stick around as the coach of the Blazers because they've always been in the hunt for a championship and always been in the postseason but have never gone far. So they're they're kind of identical in that sense. And so both of them, I believe, uh, have a lot to lose in this sense, whether it be a change in coaching, shipping off some players, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I think maybe Milwaukee is in a better spot if they drop the series, though, because they locked up Giannis to a long-term contract and Drew Holiday just signed. But I think with Portland, kind of anything's on the table at this point if they aren't able to pull through. All right, let's go to the last series. Uh, we got the 4-5 matchup. Um, Dallas versus LA, the Mavericks versus the Clippers. Now we got to see this series in the bubble last year. And we we remember that, uh, Luka Doncic buzzer beater, that step back three. And I, I forgot, Yo. I forgot which game it was, but it was just incredible, uh, to watch him work. He's just such an amazing talent. I think a lot of people are counting out the Clippers right now because of what happened last year. And we, we all know the, the, you know, the trash talk at the beginning, a lot of high expectations. Paul George really just having a horrible postseason. I think a lot of people are counting them out, but I still think they're a really, really good team that are flying under the radar right now. They still have Kawhi Leonard. Paul George still has the ability to bounce back and be a bucket getter and be a defensive stopper. And I don't see... Dallas having as much depth as the Clippers do. Now I'm not saying that the Clippers depth is just like out of this world. Like they gave up Trez and they gave up Lou Williams and now they have Rondo and uh, Nicholas Batum has been pretty good for them and Luke Kennard and some other guys. But, you know, I just think the Clippers edge out Dallas a little bit more on the depth side. Um, And KP Kristaps Porzingis, his health to me is kind of big for this series too. He's He really hasn't been healthy ever since that big injury with the New York Knicks when he was playing for them. And he's just kind of been in and out ever since he's been with the Mavericks. So I think if they uh, even have a chance, I think KP's going to have to be healthy and he's going to have to be good. I, I, I know that Luka is going to be good. That's for sure. But I just think they need Porzingis to really uh, – pull out the stops with the Clippers. So I'm going to go with the Clippers in six games. Okay. Yeah. And I'm kind of similar. Uh, I got the Clippers in seven because last year's series was fantastic. And I think the Clippers have a pretty big bone to pick with Dallas seeing as though, I mean, they kind of just dropped the ball to be honest. Uh, so I think Kawhi is about to go out there and be the silent assassin that he is. Uh, and Kawhi is my favorite player, period. Love that guy. I love his game. And when he's on, that man is pretty much unstoppable because he plays both sides of the ball so well. Um, he does take plays off now, and you can see it. He kind of does the whole LeBron thing where, you know, some defensive possessions he'll just kind of like be a little lackadaisical and let people get around him and not pay attention. But then when he's on it, and this clutch time, you want Kawhi on whoever has the ball. Whoever, like if Luka has the ball and it's 10 seconds left, you want Kawhi on him, which is something we didn't see when Luka hit that step back game winner because he was on him and he switched off. And that's what allowed Luka to get that step back off. He's so, the classic, like he's a classic player you look at where it's like he does not care about the regular season. He's like, just let me show up for the playoffs and I'm going to do my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's. He could care less about the regular season, but when it comes to the playoffs, you know that any past indications or predictions of what he or his team is going to be like, just throw that out the window because he's a player who can turn it on it at any moment, but they're, they're going to have to prove it. The Clippers, as soon as they assembled this team with 
Kawhi and Paul George, there was high expectations from the start. And they were claiming themselves as like the, the new team in LA, the ones basically to take the throne from the Lakers. Like they had a lot of talk, but at this point it's time for them to back it up and we're just going to have to see it come playoff time. Yeah. It's, it's Kawhi treats the game kind of like Kyrie does. And I was talking about it um, with some friends and I think it was my friend, David, David Johnson, shout out David, bro. Uh, he was like, Kyrie treats the game like a nine to five, you know, like this is his job. If he needs a mental health break, he's going to take games off and just be like, you know what? I just need to clear my head, you know, no injury. Just, you know, I just need to sit down and think about other stuff and do other things and then come back to the game. And it's kind of like Kawhi. I mean, yes, he had that pretty bad quad injury um, when he was on the Spurs and he kind of never was the same after that. And that's kind of where the load management thing started happening. So for him, it's just like, let me just take my time. You know, my team is good enough to carry itself whenever I'm not on the floor. Come playoff time, you best believe Kawhi is on the court every game because he wants to win. He knows what it takes to win. So, yeah, I just can't – I can't count Kawhi out, man. Yeah. Old management God. So, we both got Utah winning that uh, one versus eight. We both have the Lakers winning the two versus seven. We differ – on the Denver-Portland series, three versus six, I have Denver, Wayne has Portland, and then we both have the Clippers in the 4-5 matchup. Let's get to some quick hitter questions to end the podcast today. Yeah. Wayne, the team that you are most excited to watch, who you got? The team I'm most excited to watch, hmm, um, either East and West or just out of all 16 or 20 teams. Whatever, whatever you want, man. It's like Christmas morning. Just do what you want. Christmas morning are right, in the East, bro. I'm so excited to see Brooklyn. And I know people were like, oh, they're just the favorites to win the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. They're just too OP. Bro, I don't care. I like seeing that high-powered offense. I love it. And I, we caught a glimpse of it, and I forgot, I forgot who they were playing. But there was one possession where they got a turnover, and someone caught the ball like, kind of at half court. This was yesterday, right? Was yesterday? Yeah, because somebody missed it. Blake kind of fumbled the ball, but then ended up throwing it around his back. Yes. Kyrie tapped it to some player on the nets. And, and then that the player glass. threw it off the glass and KD dunked it home. It had to be the play of the year for sure. Boy, when I saw that, man, I was like, yo, that's some, that's like a dope sequence. You mean to tell me playoff time, they all going to be on the floor and I get, get to see that all the time, bro. Sign me up. Yeah. Sign me. I don't care if they blow the team out by 40, sign me up. I'll watch it, please. How about the West? In the West, I don't think they're going to make it far, but I'm excited to watch um, Golden State. It was either Golden State or Phoenix for me because I really love watching Chris Paul and like his IQ because the man is just ridiculous. But Steph Curry, man, I'm just excited to see him put the team on his back and just see what they can do. I don't think they're going to make it far, but I would love to see Steph Curry and them boys put on a show. No doubt. My uh, team that I'm most excited to watch is probably Denver. Um, I really love watching Jokic play. I know a lot of people um, maybe don't see his game as super exciting, given that he's a big man and he's more of a facilitator and takes it down to the block and is a little bit slower. But I think there's just a beauty in his game that you can't deny uh, and then we spoke about it earlier, but Michael Porter Jr., I think this is his third season officially, more like his second season because the first he was injured the whole uh, season in that first season. Um, but I think he's really come on as an emergent second option for that team. Honestly, and I've heard a lot of talk about this, he might be, even when Jamal Murray comes back, he might be the second option now. Uh, he might not be the primary facilitator and ball handler but just as a bucket getter uh he's been really really impressive so to see them two um really emerge this year and then the the acquisition of aaron gordon i think just having him play a role on denver which is just like hey be a great defensive player and be a guy who cuts to the back basket Jokic will find you you'll get easy dunks you might you know hit the two occasional three-pointers so I, I just think they're a really fun team to watch, even without Jamal Murray. Obviously, I'd love to see him play too, but unfortunately, uh, his season is is finished. But I got Denver being the mo the most 
the team I'm most excited to watch. And then the player I'm most excited to watch, and I'll ask you after this um, who, who you're most excited to see. For me, it's going to be Devin Booker because there, it's been multiple seasons now where he's been out of the postseason, and we know he can be a guy who gets buckets. I mean, this this man – scored 70 points in a game like we forget that but he did um and we saw him in the bubble last year do what he did there it just makes me excited to see what he can do in the playoffs like yes I think Chris Paul is a is the key to success for the Suns but Devin Booker for me is that guy like when we look back on Devin Booker's career like I'm excited to be like I got to witness the first time you know, he was in the postseason and the things that he got to do. So I'm really excited to see um, Booker make his first appearance into the playoffs. Who are you excited to watch from a player standpoint? All right. So here's who I'm excited to watch. And this is purely because of the past track, track record that this man, this man has. And I want to see if he can overcome it. I'm excited to watch Paul George because mm. I want to see if he can shake off the pandemic P and really get back to playoff P, man. I want to see playoff P, the good playoff P, not the not no more pandemic P. All right, I know this sounds really weird because I'm talking about P, but still, playoff pandemic P. He should have got that uh, pandemic vaccine and and <laughs> and got on his way to being healthy and a good player again. Man, I hope so, bro. I hope someone lights a fire under that man because it's not been good, man. It has not been good. So I'm looking to see if that man can shake off the the name of pandemic p and put on the cape his legacy is definitely on the line this postseason didn't he call himself playoff p i think so okay yeah if you call yourself playoff p bro and then people start clowning you with pandemic p you got to put that cape back on bro you got to be able to you got to be able to back it up we can't do that for you you got to do that can't just talk the talk you got to walk the walk yes sir and then last question who do you see Having kind of like a coming out party uh, this playoffs, um, just somebody who's going to kind of emerge from the dust that people wouldn't really expect, but you believe is going to shock a lot of people. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to say Julius Randle. Ah, that was mine too. That was? Yep. I'm going to say Julius Randle. And it's because of, yes, he's been playing ridiculous and he will probably win most improved player, or at least in my opinion and in your opinion, he should win most improved player. Um, I'm excited to see what this Knicks team can do as a whole in the playoffs because they haven't been there in so long. Mm -hmm. But I'm excited to see how he just elevates this entire team. And, I mean, they're in the East, which has been known to be a little bit of a weaker conference than the West. So we get it. But the fact that they're a number four seed after just not being considered to be even in the playoffs, period, that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, so, and more people watch the NBA in the playoffs. So even though we know he's been having a great season, a lot of people may not know who this guy is. So that's they about to find out. kind of the reason for the coming out uh, aspect to this player. Um, but, yeah, I think he's going to have – a coming out party for sure, especially against Atlanta in this first round. There's uh, somebody had mentioned it, but like the three games he's played against Atlanta this year have each been like 40 point plus games. So like, there's really nobody who can stop him on that team. So I'm really excited to see them. Uh, And then another player to mention here, not necessarily a coming out party for this player because we know in his past, he's been great. But I think somebody who's going to emerge as a really important player for his team is Derrick Rose, uh, you know, along with Julius Randle. I think he's been playing really good for them off the bench. And it's going to be cool to see Derrick Rose kind of in the limelight again in the playoffs, uh, you know, playing playing for something and not just playing for a team that's, you know, at the bottom of the bucket. So I think he's going to be a lot of fun too. For sure, man. That's a good pick. Well, we got the play-in tournament this week. I think the playoffs officially start on Friday, like the actual playoffs. So we'll see if our play-in tournament predictions hold true. And if they don't, we will be 
willing to admit fault. We will say we were wrong and we will move on. But any predictions we make beyond this will be more solidified, obviously. So we'll be sure to uh, tune in uh, to uh, create another episode, maybe in the middle of the first round, maybe beyond the first round. You guys just stay tuned uh, and make sure you share this episode with some of your friends. Any wise words for the people before we end this podcast, Wayne? Hmm. I totally forgot we did this. I wasn't prepared. You should um, always ha- have wisdom always. to share. That's true. I should always being the wise person that I am. How about I end us with some wisdom? You know what? You go ahead, bro. I got you. I trust you. Do it. I think ramen noodle soup is always better with an egg in it. Hey, yo, yes, sir. And maybe some shredded cheese even. Drew, are we, are we brothers right now? Like, are we? We're on the same wavelength when it comes to ramen, just not on the same wavelength when it comes to Milwaukee versus Miami or Denver versus Portland. But that's my wise words. If you haven't tried ramen noodles with an egg cooked in it or with some shredded cheese, I need you to go try that at whatever point you're listening to this podcast. Is it good for your health? Absolutely not. But we're not health experts here. We're just people with great taste buds. So I'm going to leave you all with that. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Peace. Bye.